We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of the Her Hoop Stats Unplugged podcast. As always, you're here with Megan Gower. Happy Friday. I hope you've enjoyed another crazy week from of action from the Wobble. Um, obviously, last night, Thursday night, it's a big win for the Indiana Fever over the Seattle Storm. Probably the most shocking outcome of the week by far. Advanced apologies for the fact that we recorded this before Thursday night's game. So we talk a little bit about how dominant Seattle has been. Don't think last night's game in any way negates how good Seattle has been over the last couple of weeks, but just throwing that out there. But without further ado, I'm here today with Calvin Wetzel. Hey, Calvin, how's it going? Hey, Megan, I'm good. How are you doing? Doing well. Excited to have you back on. It's been a little while. It has, yeah, and we should uh, we should let our listeners know right off the top that it is Megan's birthday today. I don't know when is this coming out tomorrow. Yeah, so it'll be the day so, after. But <laughs> it was Megan's birthday yesterday. By the time you're listening to this, so happy birthday to Megan! Everyone wish her a happy birthday on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks, Calvin. And yeah, nothing I'd rather do to celebrate my birthday than bring our listeners another unplugged episode. I actually think it's our 40th episode, so kind of arbitrary milestone, but. It's- Right wow, over, I yeah. guess. So, 40th episode of Unplugged. Kind of a big yeah, deal. I'm honored to join you on your birthday and for our milestone episode. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, we're on the topic of the podcast in general, a quick special announcement for our listeners about the Monday episode that's coming out this coming week with John Little. As you guys all know, we've got kind of a serious thing going now where we got John on Monday, uh, Gabe and Christy on Wednesday, and my unplugged episodes on Friday, but um, on Monday, we've got a very special guest live from the Wubble. Holly Rowe is joining the podcast, so that's exciting news. So keep an eye out for that one. It's going to be a can't miss episode. 
Wow, that that is big. Holly Holly always has fascinating things to say, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, same. I'm sure it's going to be an awesome episode because obviously Holly's awesome. So, and then the unique experience of being basically the only person that qualifies as media in the Wubble at all. So she's <laughs> got the ultimate access. So pretty cool. I'm excited that she's going to be on the podcast. On the, uh, <laughs> on the inside scoops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, exciting stuff coming in the podcast. Obviously, exciting stuff always happening in the WNBA. We're now, I think, at the official halfway point of the regular season somehow already. So that's crazy. But uh, yeah, halfway to the playoffs. So there's plenty to talk about. I feel like being Calvin's our guest today, though, we've got to start off by talking about Stella Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like uh, I feel like I could probably fill. A couple podcasts just talking about Stella Johnson, but you know, I know we have other things to talk about, so so I'll try to keep it under under three hours. <laughs> but how about Stella Johnson last night? Twenty five points in her first WNBA start, six threes, one off of the WNBA rookie record. She set the Mystics rookie record. Um, she had a couple nice takes to the hole too, a little and one with her left hand. Uh, few dimes they doubled her at one point and, and she found uh you know she just stayed poised found emma meeson and started down the lane so this is i feel like everyone talks about opportunity we saw it earlier in the year with like Brenda carlton got a start and all of a sudden just started knocking everything down um i feel you we've seen it with the wings with marina mabry barely played for like seven games and now has three really good games in a row when she's been put into the lineup so i feel like there, there's a lot of players in that kind of nine to eleven range on rosters, who if they get their chance, they can they can really shine. Stella Stella did that last night. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, she was just absolutely insane for Mystic. The Mystics kind of snapped their or led them to snapping that losing streak that they were on. I think it was like a six game losing streak, but they got the win over Atlanta. So they um you know kind of made a little bit of a or turn their season around a little bit, making it look a little less bleak. I think the last couple of weeks for Mystics fans especially have looked a little bleak after that hot start. You know, they've lost six in a row, so things have been rough. But, um, yeah, definitely seized that opportunity. Listen to the same stat line. I'm just still sitting here looking at it. Like, a really impressive in performance. Um, so, yeah, really and awesome for her. On a selfish note, too, she's been really helping my fantasy team. I needed it hard. <laughs> Behind Angel McCrawford, um, and now I have one. I feel like so that that has been awesome. I won my last two matchups since since uh, picked her up. So shout out to Stella for for getting me some some W's in fantasy. <laughs> there you go. I have to admit that I am like the worst fantasy player ever because I honestly don't even know if I've won in like the last two weeks. I've basically forgotten how to check it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are. Not in last. I think you were in like sixth or something out of ten. Um, you're like you're like in the middle. You're you're about five hundred. So so you're you're all right. <laughs> I'll take that as a, a win for someone that has yet to figure out how to actually set a lineup. <laughs> it's a very weird website in your yeah. in Megan's defense. Uh, if anyone's ever played on sports.ws, it's very confusing to figure out. So it's it's not necessarily Megan's fault. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it is not the 
best. Hopefully by, you know, next year, maybe the WNBA will get enough hype that we'll get a kind of standard fantasy website. I've played like fantasy NBA before and I could like set the lineup on an app easily and it was very easy. This is not the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we could get Yahoo or ESPN or some of those bigger uh, websites to, to get involved in fantasy WNBA, that would make that would make a huge difference. Agreed. So shout out to Sports WS for at least offering it, though. I'm glad that we have the option to play as much as I'm horrible about actually paying any attention to it. (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep up with the podcast, right? Can't. I don't have time to play fantasy, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Plus with three games a day, there's there's plenty to keep up with. And we have day jobs. Can't can't do it yeah, all. Yeah, and the day job, <laughs> <laughs> and a busy day job to say the least. So, yeah, <laughs> then it's been a ride. But I'm just so excited. Obviously, that there's basketball on TV. So, not gonna complain about being busy. Um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, back to the actual basketball. So, obviously, huge shout out to Stella Johnson. And then I feel like if we're gonna mentioned Stella from that game we also have to talk about um Laney and Williams from Atlanta because they had such great games either or also combined for 65 of Atlanta's 91 points so couldn't quite get them to the win but really impressive performances from both of them as well yeah what did I see they were the the first dream teammates to score each score 30 I think and were they did I see I'm I'm gonna get my facts wrong on this, I'm sure. Were they the first teammates in the WNBA to do that since those Comets teams from ninety seven to two thousand? Did I see that somewhere? I didn't see that, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's true because it's, I mean to have two players on a team in one game score over thirty points is pretty unheard of. So um, I wonder if it's the first time that that's happened in the team that it happened on they didn't win. <laughs> but that might also be the case. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look this stuff up later. But uh, yeah. I think I saw something like that. So very, very impressive for them. Just a crazy box score. Uh, not box score, but, you know, stat lines all over that game. Because you also have Emma Misamin on the other side becoming, I think, the tallest or tied for the tallest player to have a points assist. Um, double-double. In addition to, obviously, the performance from Stella. Um, and then the dream with, with a couple 30-point players. So it's just a... Just a very fun game for stat heads like us. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think it was also awesome just to see that Courtney Williams have a big game like that. I feel like she's been a little quiet since she's gotten to the wobble. Obviously, she was a little late to arrive. If, I don't know if anyone's confirmed that she had coronavirus, but I think we can all assume that's what the issue was, that she must have tested positive. So, um, yeah, 30 points for her, seven assists, eight rebounds. Obviously, just crazy stat line. So, really good to see her get going and go off finally in one of these games. Obviously, they didn't get the win, but it's still very needed for the dream while Kennedy Carter is is out to have someone like Courtney Williams to be able to to get buckets. Exactly. Um, And I think we've seen some photos circulating on Twitter of Kennedy Carter doing some rehab. So, hopefully, that means everything's on track with her injury. And that I think they said two weeks initially. So, it should. Bring her back on the court, hopefully soon. Yeah, definitely. That uh, that should lead us right into our rookie of the year debate, probably, huh? Yeah, it should actually. So we can definitely go right over to that. Um, so yeah, I think you know before Kennedy Carter went out with her injury, she was kind of the top of that list, right? Like everyone was kind of talking about Kennedy for rookie of the year, but 
being out for two weeks and just such a compressed schedule, like I think the schedule itself is only basically six weeks of a regular season, right? Or maybe a little bit more, but it's it's a very condensed um, schedule. So two weeks is a lot of time to miss in this environment, which definitely hurts her rookie of the year case a little bit, I feel like. Um, I don't think she's out of the running, though. I feel like, you know, if she comes back and picks up where she left off and keeps having big games, she's definitely in that conversation. But I don't know how much, first of all, when she's going to be back is still obviously up in the air a little bit. And then also the, you know, her limits, her minutes might be a little limited as she comes back and gets back into things. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Obviously, Sabrina went down and she's she's out of the running. Uh, Normally missing two weeks uh, like what Kennedy Carter is missing here would not put you out of the running for any awards. But when you only have, I think, seven weeks, six or seven, it's you're missing a third of the season. And then the question becomes how how many games can you miss before you're you're kind of out of the running for those awards? If you only play two thirds of the season, is that enough? And, you know, I don't really know the answer, but she's definitely if, you know, all things equal, she would be the front runner. Um, you have another dark horse that 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 you want to throw into the mix here, though. Of course, yes. So I can't like describe how happy I am when I even get to be talking about this because I don't think anyone expected that this was going to be the case. But I mean, Crystal Dangerfield is right at the front of that race right now for the Minnesota Lynx. So I think in general, I mean, this is a topic for this whole discussion of the fact that it could very well be a kind of historic Rookie of the Year uh, year repetitive but yeah uh, because there's never been a rookie of the year that was picked below seventh in the draft I mean I think it's very possible that we see a second round pick or I mean Ezzy on the um, Seattle Storm was a 12th pick so very very possible that that kind of record is broken this year but going back to Daniel Field like obviously it was taken 16th I think a lot of people on Twitter now are like how on earth did we allow her to fall to the links like again get another steal from UConn basically in the draft but she's just been fantastic for them kind of fell into a starting role a bit with like the injuries on the Lynx team but I feel like now the way she's been playing it's going to be hard for them to take her out of that starting role um, I think she's third on the team in scoring I was looking at her stat line last night and like she's not even far off from like a 50-40-90 season I think she's at, like around 48 38 and like 89 right now yeah i have it right here it's 40 yeah she's like one free throw away from 90 percent um and for yeah 48 and 38 on the field golden three points so (laughs) we saw elena deladon is is last year become the first player to qualify to actually do that so Mm -hmm. crystal dangerfield can can somehow pull that off that would be insane yeah, she's just been totally fantastic for the Lynx. Um, I think, you know, going into the draft, I was way higher on her draft stock than a lot of people. And then she fell to the second round, which I found shocking. I guess a lot of other people, because of her size, didn't really think it was that big of a deal. Um, no, I think we've seen other small point guards in the league that can do big things. And obviously, her size hasn't really impacted her ability to make a huge impact for the Lynx off the bat. She's had a multiple like 20 plus point games at this point um been pretty efficient from the floor uh, i think she had like six assists last night or something too so doing well as a playmaker for minnesota as well so it's just kind of really hit the ground running in the league and just some highlight real plays i don't know if you got a chance to watch the game last night but a couple of those little little hesitation moves were were just fun 
I don't even know how to describe them, but it's like the <laughs> classic thing you need to be able to do if you're five foot five in a league full of people over six foot tall. Yeah, exactly. And then definitely some highlight real threes last night too, right? I think she had five, there's like five of seven from three last night or something crazy like that. So um, a lot of big shots from deep, which of course we saw that she was very good at in college. So not all that surprising to see her do it at the next level, but um, definitely impressive. Yeah, and it's you mentioned that no one, uh, no second rounder, no one below seventh has ever uh, won the rookie of the year. But actually, the only seventh pick ever when it was Tracy Reed in 1998. That was the very first rookie of the year ever. Um, so since since the first award ever, no one below sixth has won it. Obviously, Nafisa last year was sixth, and there's been a couple others. Um, but it's it's also just interesting to look at uh, some of the mock drafts. You know that that came out before the draft, and a lot of even reputable ones. I think Michelle Vocal on ESPN had Bristol Dangerfield going to the Lynx in the first round um, at number six, and and a lot of people had had her going, you know, maybe later in the first round as well. And she ends up dropping all the way to sixteen, and, and I don't know how that happened, but um, it's setting her up perfectly to to make history for the for Cyber Pounder to win her two years. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I thought, you know, when she fell to 16, I was shocked. I thought ultimately it was probably the best fit for her in terms of all those teams that like she could have fallen to between when Minnesota picked at six and 16. Um, obviously, Minnesota has some younger guards. They don't have really like a, well, they do have a superstar point guard in Odyssey Sims, but you knew she was going to miss at least part, if not all the season um, after having a baby. So there was a kind of a hole there. Um, a need to fill that role and then also a need to fill like the backup point guard role behind Sims when she is, I mean, she's in the wobble now, but she's battling an injury. I'm pretty sure. So um, still kind of an opening there, but it's been great to see uh, her be able to just make a big impact off the bat. When I feel like a lot of teams got to be shaking their head that they let her basically fall into share Reeves lap. Yeah. Part of me wonders <laughs> if, you know, people in the league talk and everything and if Cheryl Reeves maybe, kind of had a pretty good sense that a lot of teams were going to pass on her. Because uh, Reed clearly likes her, clearly wanted her on the team and wants her to have a role. And part of me just wonders if Cheryl Reed somehow knew that she might still be able to get her at 16 if he passed on her at number six. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I do think that, like, Makai Harrigan was a great pick at six as well. She's not adopted like quite as quickly as Crystal has, but she's definitely, I mean, last night she was fantastic for them off the bench. She's definitely a player with a super high WNBA ceiling. And so I think she's going to, she might strike a little bit as a rookie, but her, she's going to be great in the long term for the Lynx. Yeah, absolutely. This, uh, this draft class in general, how often you get two players uh, from the same draft class who are making this immediate of an impact on a team that's actually contending, you know, towards in the top half of the standings like the Lynx are. It's not very often. Right. And then also the fact that part of the reason that they the Lynx are in contending for kind of top half of the standings is the incredible performances from their rookies, right? Because they're kind of a team, especially now that Fowles is down. They're young. There's like a lot of question mark pieces. Um, there was a lot of question mark pieces going into the season. I don't really think anyone thought Minnesota would be performing this well at this point, but they are, and a large part of that is the fact that they're rookies, and then, of course, they're sophomore, and Nafisa are playing 
great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's crazy to see these rookies kind of keep keeping them afloat in, in contention for at least maybe a playoff buy, uh, even with, with Sylvia Fowles going down. Yep, exactly. Kind of a big surprise team so far for first half of the season. I think probably one of the biggest surprises to me for the first half of the season is just how impressive the, their team has been as a whole. Yeah, we um, really going... need to stop doubting Cheryl Reeve. Yeah, Going back to the kind of rookie of the year conversation, though, any other names that you wanted to throw in there? Yeah, Um. so... I'm clearly very unprepared and have no idea what Satu Sabali's injury uh, situation looks like. I know she's hurt now. I don't know what her timeline is. Um, but if she is able to make it back very soon, do you know? Do you know when she's supposed to come back? I don't really know that we've gotten a timeline, or I missed it if okay. we did. So I'm in the same boat here. <laughs> well, that makes me feel better. But um, if she's able to come back soon and play enough games, I think she um, – is the type of she's behind Crystal Dangerfield right now? I think in you know in uh, my personal rankings, I guess. But uh, she's the type of person who could easily have have a big second half like Arike did last year and put herself right right in the thick of it. Um, and then Julie Alman is an interesting case uh, because she's not scoring very much seven and a half a game, almost all rookies of the year um, scoring double figures, but. She's averaging over five assists a game, she, which leads rookies by far. Um, she's, she's running one of the better offenses in the WNBA, although you know, the Fever are also maybe the worst defense in the WNBA. But we, we don't have to talk about that. But she's, she's played point guard for one of the better offenses in the WNBA and has had the Fever in contention uh, to make the playoffs again for the first time since – Agreed. I think her game is super interesting. She's been very successful in Indiana. And she's someone that's so interesting to me too, too, because I mean, she is a rookie right in the league, but she's not a rookie in the typical sense in that she's not like straight out of school. She's played pro for a few years. So she's gotten that professional experience abroad. And now has, with the situation this year, finally got a spot on a WNBA roster and I mean, we think we've used the phrase seizing the opportunity so much talking about this season, but like got the opportunity has really seized the opportunity and has been uh, like excellent at running Indiana's offense. Part of why Indiana's offense is so good. Um, and they've kind of, you know, she fell into that starting role with Erica Wheeler being out. So they kind of needed someone in that point guard spot and she's done an awesome job with it. I think her name, I feel like her name is one that I'm not seeing thrown around in the conversation that much. Um, but should be there more. And it's probably because she has not scoring as many points, so people tend to overlook it a little bit, I think. But she is someone that's playing a critical role in the success of a team that could make the playoffs, so I think that's a big deal. Yeah, it's interesting. I think she could maybe score you know, a few more points. I don't think she'd ever be a 20 points per game type of player, but if she really wanted to or needed to, she could be in double figures. She's actually shooting over 50% from three. She's uh, 19 for 37 on the year. So, uh, and over 90% from the free throw line. She's, she's almost in that 40, 50, 90 category as well, actually. She's just a couple points away in the field goal percentage. But um, she, she picks her spots. You know, she has Kelsey Mitchell, obviously, having a breakout year. Um, who's the main scorer on that team. And, and 
Inuyama kind of knows when she needs to shoot um, and when when she needs to facilitate and get get people like Mitchell or her other teammates involved, um, which is which is an underrated, you know, just being able to to read read situations um, and make the right play doesn't necessarily always show up in the stats, uh, but I think her importance to the team um, and, and the you know mild success they're ha- having this year. Uh, is, is you know underrated and should put her in the conversation. Yeah, but I 100% agree with that. For me, her and Crystal are really the front runners right now. Um, I mean, like we said, Kennedy could be in that conversation, but I think for Kennedy to be in the conversation, Atlanta also needs to win some more. I just can't see someone winning Rookie of the Year at a team, well, like on a team that's right now two and ten. Like you got to be able to bring some team like wide success. I feel like to win that award, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's it's not quite the same maybe level as it is with the MVP in terms of you know what what voters look at, but they, they definitely still look at team success when it comes to the rookie of the year and other awards as well. So she'll have to come back soon and not miss too many games, and the dream will have to you know at least win a few more games in the second half of the season. Agreed. So while we're talking about kind of year-end awards, we want to talk about the MVP conversation as well. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm really loving the, the debate a lot of people I feel like are having on Twitter now, um, kind of the Brianna Stewart versus Asia Wilson debate. Um, and obviously there may be some others that you can throw in the mix as well. I'm interested to hear what you think. Um, I think it's kind of a semantics debate like it always is about you know if it's the best player or if it's the player most valuable to their team and you take the wording literally because uh to me Brianna Stewart is probably the best player but you could also take her off the storm and they'd still be pretty good they would win games maybe not win blowouts like they are but I think Brianna Stewart is the reason why they win every game by 20. Um, Asia Wilson is the reason why the Aces win games, period. Um, they're one-two in defensive win shares as well, so it's not just their scoring ability. Um, so I think I think it's going to be a really fun debate all season. Uh, but I was just yeah, to hear what you think and if you think anyone else should be in that conversation as well. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, Stewie and Asia are the kind of two names at the top of the list. I don't think that surprises anyone. That's really where the conversation seems to be centered right now. To say, I mean, we're only halfway through, right? So there's plenty of time for cases to change and things to change there but um yeah their numbers are both super impressive so they both have strong cases to me people are making this argument right though like okay the aces win because of asia but you still do have um angel mccautry who's been fantastic for the aces as well like it's to me it's really the two of them that are kind of carrying the aces like asia has definitely played a bigger role but it, there's a pair of them carrying the aces there um and obviously Seattle is so deep and so strong regardless but I think you know why they're so dominant is because Stewie is on that team she's the best player on the best team um carrying them to those you know she's not playing as maybe as many minutes as Asia which is going to hurt her stats a little bit because you know it's just less time on the court but she doesn't need to play that kind of on the court because Seattle is just winning by so much right so um I think she's a big reason behind why not just Seattle's winning, but they're dominating everyone, basically. 
Yeah, it's it's true. Their their margin of victory is I don't even know, but <laughs> I, I don't think they've yeah, it's they're one of the few teams right now on track to be one of the few teams in history um, to be first in both offensive rating and defensive rating. It almost never happens. Um, <laughs> second place is not super close at either one of those. So um, they're winning games, especially in the last week or, or two weeks. I don't think they've won by less than 18 points in like five or six straight games. Uh, that would be another one I, I, you know, I have off the top of my head if I prepare for this. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's, it really is, you're right, because of uh, Leanna Stewart. More than I mean, it's a it's a team. They're they're really really deep. deep. In fact, the Superbird can be hurt. Uh, they don't miss a beat. Um, the fact that you know Natasha Howard can play the five, uh, and then they can bring in a rookie, Ezzy McAvoy, to play the five, and basically both of those can be switched on almost anyone. Um, it's, def- it's definitely a team effort, but. The way that Brianna Stewart impacts every area of the game, offense, defense, transition, facilitating, passing. Um, she's trying to become, I think, the eighth or ninth player to average one and a half steals and blocks per game, which is one of the things I enjoy watching about her the most is her arms are mm-hmm. like 10 feet long and she has perfect timing and gets her hands on everything. Um, and, and Asia Wilson affects the defense in way uh obviously really really highly as well so i don't know it's i don't think there's a wrong answer i guess i would not argue with either one necessarily um but you're right brianna stewart uh it is the reason why the storm are not just winning but blowing everyone out yep agreed i think um yeah kind of like you said there's not a wrong answer right they're both really good picks i can see you know, the, however you argue it, you can kind of talk yourself into one way or the other. Uh, I don't think it's like last year where there was kind of like a clear cut, like EDD is the MVP. Like, how do you think otherwise? But um, yeah, there is a little bit more debate, at least for now. Uh, but of course, we still have, you know, 11 games to play. So that's half the season. There's a lot could change in the next 11 games. Assuming both players stay healthy, I don't really expect that much is going to change in terms of their cases. Like, they're both going to be good. Uh, I think the Aces and are going to be good. And then Seattle's obviously just killing everyone right now. So I don't really expect much to change there. And, and one, one thing I wanted to bring up too about Angel Wilson, you mentioned Angel Cautry, you know, also being, playing a huge role in that team, but she's also 34, right? Or th- 33, at least 33. Mm-hmm. And Billy and Beard knows that. So he's, he's given her a lot of rest. She plays three, four minutes at a time. She uh, she's had games where she plays in the teens, you know, less than half the game, uh, trying to just preserve her legs. Um, so when she's on the court, she might impact the game almost as much as Angel Wilson. But Angel Wilson is a decade younger and is is on the court the whole game um, and just has a much bigger impact that way. So that's that's one point I would give for for Angel, um, but. In general, I just think it's fun to have a debate like this. Like last year, we had Nafisa versus Arike for the Rookie of the Year, and everyone thought one way or the other. And, and it's it's a lot more fun when it's not obvious, you know, when there's a debate to be had. 
Agreed. Yeah. It's fun when there's something to debate and like people can argue different ways and it's like there is a real debate around it and versus like everyone just kind of knows what it is. It's not as exciting to discuss when you're just like, well, yeah, it's this person, duh. Um, yeah, so yeah, exciting. To... Something to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, what would we fill all of our time with? Um, <laughs> But yeah, also speaking of Nafisa, I feel like we just need to comment on like the Nafisa shimmy because I love it. It's so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> just needed to put that out there. <laughs> I feel like yeah. she's, you know, she's always been such a humble player. I don't think you ever really saw her celebrate anything in college. So kind of just love seeing her <laughs> having a little fun with it out there. Yeah, absolutely. She's earned it too. She's playing even way better than she's raised her level a lot, even from the rookie beginning. She did last year, which is also the Well deserved. Agreed, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Especially with Sylvia Fowles out, she's kind of filling a huge hole for them. Has been very fantastic in these last few games to kind of help them keep winning without Fowles on the floor, which is obviously a huge hit to the Lynx lineup, right? So definitely, she's becoming a superstar. Mm-hmm. Yes, I also love that she's got that three-point shot now. We're starting to see it a little bit more consistently. I think, to me, like, if people ask the question, can Nafisa be, like, an MVP one day? And, like, the big question mark on that was, like, can she get enough of a three-point shot to really win that award? And if she gets that, she's going to be someone that's going to be in MVP conversations in the future. Absolutely, because if she, you know, if she starts knocking down threes, uh, with any sort of volume, she's already knocking them down efficiently. I just pulled it up here, 43% uh, on the year, but a little under one three per game made. Uh, she's nine for 21 in the year. So if she can start knocking down threes you know, at that same rate, 40-something 40, 40 percent with some sort of volume here to become a really dangerous shooter, Gabe Ibrahim, when we were uh, talking last night on our live stream uh, pregame, made the point that she could and should be that type of player who you don't have anyone who can guard her one-on-one because you put someone small and quick on her, uh, she just takes them down to the post. And you put someone a little bit bigger on her, she she can uh, either knock down those threes or, or blow right by them. Um, so... It's, yeah, that's that's a really cool development to see her starting to knock those down. Agreed, agreed. It's been really awesome to see. Um, so I think one more thing that we had on our agenda to talk about but somehow have not gotten to yet is that we need to talk about Chicago Vegas. Yes. <laughs> did, you, did you watch that game, Megan? I'm sure you've seen it, but were you watching live? I didn't watch live, but I did watch most of it, so that's the highlight reels at least, and then most yeah. of the full thing. <laughs> yeah, so but, yeah. that so game was... Uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say you start, because you probably watched it live, so can feel a little bit more of the emotion <laughs> into it than I did when I already kind of knew what happened before I watched yeah. it. Yeah, well, I just want to talk about the rivalry in general. You know, not, that, that game was just another chapter in it, but it's becoming a thing. And even, you know, Courtney Vandersloot, after the game, in her interview with Holly Rowe, admitted, like, there's something developing here, um, which I think is awesome. The league needs more rivalries, more than just linked sparks. Um, I think I think Sky Aces is becoming that. It, it kind of goes back to the end of last year. Before the hand heaved, um, that's when broadcasts started. 
they they like to talk about the handy heave and what started from that. But it, it goes back to the regular season when uh, the last two matchups in August, um, the second to last matchup was was kind of heated, you know, and, and there was some, uh, at least in Liz Cambage's mind, questionable foul or non-foul calls. I don't know if they actually were or not, but like she said, the Sky were getting rewarded for playing lazy defense. Um, and then that game ended up going down to the wire. They just were down by three with one possession left and got two good looks, missed them both to tie it. And then you fast forward a, a week later, I was at that second game and there was a little bit of a, I don't know what you call like a skirmish between Cam Beige and Cheyenne Parker. Uh, technicals were handed out. Post-game Twitter beef with Allie Quigley and Stephanie Dolson getting involved. Exactly what you want if you love <laughs> the juicy, you know, kind of everyone hating each other type of stuff. <laughs> and so that set the stage for the playoff game which was back and forth the whole time, had all sorts of crazy moments capped off by the Hamby Heave. Um, and so it was already kind of brewing, this, this rivalry, you know, going into that. And then, of course, this year, now both matchups in the regular season this year have ended with a fantastic James Wade play call with the Sky either down two or tied um, to, get, to get a look to end up winning the game. Um, both, both wins went to the Sky by two. Um, and I just, as a Sky fan, and also even as just a fan of the league, hope that these two teams get to play five games in the playoffs. I think we all deserve it. I agree. 2020 deserves, well, we deserve something from 2020. It should be a five-game <laughs> series of Chicago, Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they're just, obviously has built into quite the rivalry. Such a fun thing, or fun, like, teams to watch play each other. And I think part of that is just, like, the personalities on each side, right? Even without Cam Bage, you've got Asia Wilson, who's just such a huge personality. And then you've got um, Steph Dolson and Diamond Shields on the Sky side. Like, a lot of big personalities that are a lot of fun in the league to watch generally and then kind of pit them against each other it, it always makes for a good matchup and then of course you're talking about right now two teams that are near the top of the league other than seattle so gonna be good basketball as well yeah and another another shout out to, to gabe here uh brought up the point last night that you know i like you said they're they're not only they're both good which helps a rivalry but not only do they both good they both play completely different styles with you know the Aces playing Billy and Beer basketball and just pounding, pounding, pounding into the post and scoring at the rim as much as possible, uh, like as if they're playing in the 70s. And the Sky playing that, that run-and-gun, three-point, you know, pick-and-roll type of game with, with shooters everywhere, even off and off by players on the court can shoot threes. Um, so also just kind of that that contrast between the two teams makes it, makes it really exciting and, and is maybe one of the reasons why it's always such a close game. Yeah, exactly. I I think that so that was their second regular season matchup, so we won't see any more Sky Vegas matchups in the rest of regular season. But yeah, like you said, hopefully we get that five game in the playoffs. Also, I feel like when we're talking about the Aces, we have to mention that Bill Ambeer finally got a haircut. Did he? I was the week. I saw it on Twitter. I don't know if it was uh 
I don't know, yesterday maybe, but yeah, because the hairstylists are now in the wool bowl, which is good development for everyone, obviously, but um, finally a haircut, so hopefully no more of that awful headband style that was going on <laughs> for the first half of the season. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, we can thank James Wade for that too then, because uh, so when the hairstylist first got there, uh, you know, Lambert wanted to get a haircut and his team was on a seven game winning streak, so they all said, no, you know, don't get a haircut, we can't, we're winning, we can't change anything. Um, and then the sky Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the timing of it was, if it was before or after they lost. So maybe it was the hair's fault. I'm not sure. But... <laughs> it was after. Because I can confirm he was wearing the headband uh, with the long okay. shaggy hair during the game. So, Got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the superstition there broke. So he was yeah. little, someone let him get a haircut now. <laughs> it worked for a while, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, should we wrap it up with just maybe kind of talking about games for the weekend that we're most excited about? Yeah, let's do that. I, uh, I'll pull up the schedule here. You want to go first? You got any off the top of your head? I'm taking a look at it right now, but... I mean, you got Storm Aces on Saturday, so a good chance to see one, two MVB candidates against each other so that's going to be fun to watch asia versus stewie and then of course storm being up top of the league the aces being among the best teams in the league can they actually challenge the storm we haven't seen seattle get challenged at all really in the last few five or so games so being able to see if you know the aces can put up a fight against them possible preview of kind of what the finals matchup could be potentially so um, that's definitely a big one yeah, that's uh, I forgot about that game. I think those are two of the very that's one of the few matchups that has not happened yet, at least once. Those teams have not played each other yet. Um and, and definitely could be a finals preview. Um as well as, you know, a chance for for both both MVP candidates to make their case. So that's a big one. ABC National TV, uh three o'clock Eastern on Saturday. That that is a good one. And then also I'm looking the night before Friday night, uh Tonight, for our listeners, at 10 p.m. Eastern, CBS Sports Network, Lynx Mercury. That one is interesting. Uh, Britt Greiner against the Sylvia Fousless Lynx. Um, yeah. Two teams who are kind of battling it out for, for a similar spot in the standings. Uh, I think the Mercury are, are very Jekyll and Hyde. Sometimes they look, uh, even just last night, they got down, I think, 20, and then cut it to three or something like that, even within the same game sometimes. They can have a quarter or two where they look terrible and a quarter or two where they look like they could compete with the Storm. Um, so I would be interested in that game as well. Agreed. I mean, I don't think anyone ever wants to bet against a mad Diana Taurasi. So, yeah, it should be an interesting one. I think it's going to be some interesting matchups, especially you've got kind of a fun point guard matchup with like the veteran and Skylar Diggins-Smith and then uh, Dangerfield's on the link. So you're going to have kind of the veteran versus the rookie at the point obviously got diana tarasi which is going to be a tough matchup for any of the guards on the links um, and then like you said no sylvia foul so how do you contain Brittany griner um it should be a game i would expect where we kind of watch Brittany griner go off because i don't really know what Lynx's answer is going to be for her but i feel like we haven't really seen that level of play much from griner this year surprisingly i think kind of at the beginning of the season people were like griner's in that mvp conversation and we haven't seen that level of play from Griner so far, but maybe we'll see it tomorrow night or tonight by the time people are listening to this. 
Yeah, yeah, I hope so. We've seen one or two pretty good games out of her, but she's missed a lot of uh, a lot of those shots that you feel like when you're six nine and you're that close to the rim, you should probably make that type of shots. Uh, so <laughs> we'll be interested to see, you know, if she can if she can step it up uh, in this game with seemingly no no answer on the other end for her. Like you said, and then Tarasi and Dangerfield, like two decades apart. Uh, that'll be fun. Skylar <laughs> Diggins Smith isn't very often the bigger of the two point guards, uh, but she will be in this matchup, yeah. so that'll be fun. Um, yeah, tune into that one then. Yeah, I think those would be the two games that I'd be most excited for. The kind of two that we talked about. Um, nothing on Sunday is jumping out at me too much, other than that, like Mercury Mystics game could be interesting in that. You've got kind of two teams that are in similar spots in the standings, so um, be an interesting matchup there. Yeah, the Mystics are, are in that interesting kind of tweener spot where they're kind of trying to figure out their 2021, um, but also could make the playoffs this year. Um, I don't think they're winning a championship this year, but they could, they could grab that new <laughs> spot. So uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of interesting to see how uh, Tebow has managed their roster with a bunch of new pickups uh, and, you know, different playing time for different people. Aerial Powers, I saw, might be done for the season uh, a couple hours ago. I saw that. So that that's a huge, huge loss for them. But Yeah, super tough break for them. Um, I think she was a big part of their kind of hot start and obviously part of why their losing streak has been so long. So, um yeah, unfortunate for them, but it's kind of interesting that we're looking at like that last playoff spot and two of the teams that are going to be battling for that last playoff spot are basically your two final teams from last year in Connecticut and Washington. Of course, very different teams, obviously, but a lot of key players for both of those sitting out or different pieces added in the case of the Sun, but um, yeah, it's an interesting kind of anomaly to the season. It's very, yeah, seventh and ninth currently, um, half game apart. Sun are half game up. Fever and Washington are tied for eighth. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of those three teams I feel like are a key storyline to kind of keep an eye on throughout the next couple of weeks as we get to the playoffs. And I feel like you got to throw Dallas in that mix too. They are not far off that kind of um, line as well. So, Yeah, so real quick before we finish up, who would you pick? It looks like the Sun, Fever, Mystics, and Wings are all within one game of each other, and that's 7 through 10 right now. So two of those four, those four teams are fighting out for two spots. Who, who do you think is going to come out in the 7 and 8 spot? Right now, I'm going to go with the sun and the fever. I feel like Connecticut's gotten together a little bit more. They struggled really um, a lot at the start, but things seem to be falling together a little bit. They've got things figured out. Obviously, it's hard to count against Dewana Bonner, too. She's just been a machine for them, and they've got a lot of other pieces in Alyssa Thomas and Jasmine Thomas that I think that they can find a way to win enough to make it in. And then I'm going to go with the Fever for the second team. I think that they're off, despite how bad their defense is, their offense really is so good that it might just be enough to carry them, um, especially with the injury situation in the Mystics. They're just, it's going to be an uphill battle for them for sure. And the Wings are just so young. I mean, they can kind of surprise you because they're so young and sneak in there, but I don't know that I'm convinced that that's going to happen yet. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I know it's boring, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Sun and Fever. <laughs> I, I have seen somewhere, uh, I can't cite my source on this, so my bad for ripping someone off. That the, uh, the Sun have the last, whatever it is, 10 games or 11 games that are left are almost all against teams in the bottom half of the standings, like 9 of 11. Something like that. So okay. definitely a very front-loaded schedule. Uh, they should have an easier time in the second half. And then, yeah, I agree with you on the fever as well. Uh, the Mystics are, are doing a little too much experimenting, it feels like, to, to end up coming out on top of that group. A little bit too much uh, thinking about the future. But definitely definitely anyone's, anyone's game still. Exactly. Yeah. Still 11 games to play and not a whole lot of games between any of those teams right now. So plenty of room for them to move in there or even slide up some and kind of firmly cement a place in the playoffs and have someone else join that conversation before the end of this. I feel like at this point, we can pretty much firmly say that Atlanta and New York are probably not making the playoffs. So I feel like those that's in that Seattle is I feel like those are firm takes. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not too much of a hot take on that one. <laughs> if the Mystics get in at number eight, they'll be that team. Whoever the five seed, you don't want to play the Mystics. No. <laughs> Agreed. Especially with the like single elimination, you know, set up. It's just not a fun game to have to play. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's it for today. Thanks, Calvin, for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, Megan. We should we should end with this. What are you doing for your birthday tonight? I'm working. So exciting. I know. I'm oh. trying to finish up this project at work, but I am taking uh. kind of like a mini trip just down to like the Connecticut shore this weekend. So I am celebrating okay. just slightly delayed. That's good. <laughs> I was trying to end us on like a happy note, you know? So uh, I'm glad you're doing something fun last <laughs> night. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again for joining. And everyone, don't forget that Holly Rowe on the Monday podcast. So you don't want to miss that. So make sure you're subscribed. And that you get that straight to your kind of podcast feed wherever you listen when it drops on Monday. Thanks for listening. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.